What is health informatics? How do we integrate technology into the ever-evolving medical landscape? Learn the answers to these questions and many more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey everybody, it's Andrew and welcome back to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. I'm so happy you're here. For my returning listeners, welcome back. For my new listeners, welcome, because today, like on every episode, I'm bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to discuss issues relating to the early career physician. Today, we have Dr. Sam Garby on the show. Dr. Garby is an internal medicine specialist with a background in health informatics currently practicing in Vancouver, British Columbia. He is currently the co-founder of Aria Health, a company that is on the leading edge of digital innovation in healthcare. He has previously served as the Associate Chief Medical Information Officer for Vancouver Coastal Health and Vancouver General Hospital, where he helped spearhead the digital transformation to electronic records. All right, well, let's get Dr. Garby onto the show. Dr. Sam Garby, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Andrew. Absolutely. Um, I've already recorded a little bit about you, uh, but for the listeners, can you kind of tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so uh, my name's Sam Garvey. I'm an internal medicine physician here in uh, Vancouver, Canada. I've uh, spent part of my training in the States and actually in Europe as well. Uh, I have a background in health informatics, and uh, currently I practice as a physician uh, on top of uh, being the co-founder of Aria Health, which is uh, an electronic healthcare company and digital um, record company here in Canada, uh, as well as internationally. Great. Well, we'll get into uh, everything about your company as well, but um, let's uh, just start with a simple question. Uh, you said you have a, a background in informatics. For those who don't know what that is, what is uh, informatics? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, so a lot of folks who go through, through med school, more and more you need at least what, what they call the test was added value. So you go through undergrad, get into med school, do your four years, then go into residency, you're doing, you know, two, three, five years and beyond, maybe a fellowship. And then, um, you know, when I finished, uh, in order to get a job in academia and a tertiary or quaternary center, we were told, hey, listen, you know, do some research, do something extra. And, um, you know, at the time, I really wasn't that interested in research. I was more interested in practical ways we can make healthcare better. And I looked at the options, and this was maybe 10 years ago now. Uh, this was even less popular than it is now. But uh, I looked at health informatics um, as an avenue for that. So um, there's quite a few programs now uh, for masters in health informatics across the states, uh, Canada and internationally. And, um, and that's what I did in terms of a two-year program. Uh, some of it was in person, some of it was online. But uh, it was a great program to teach me more as somebody who's interested in technology and how it applies in healthcare, you know, privacy, security standards, um, a little bit of code and things around that. And then, um, you know, standards overall in terms of how we apply it in hospitals and across clinics. So, uh, so yeah, if anybody out there is interested in learning more about that, I'd highly recommend it. Um, and it was a lot of fun, honestly, for me personally, doing a master's in public health or uh, going and doing a bunch of stats <laughs> would, wouldn't be very fun. Yeah, that's cool. And I, and I think it's, it's certainly a growing field and needed 
really almost at, at every hospital and uh, we need physicians doing it, um, which, which is important um, to the overall healthcare system. Uh, not to make this a talk about informatics, but um, can you just maybe talk about some jobs that people can get into either as uh, on the side or, or, or concurrently with their, um, with their physician role if someone's interested in bioinformatics or health informatics? Yeah, it's actually quite helpful because, uh, as you mentioned, we don't have enough physicians in administrative roles and leadership roles in healthcare. And I think that's part of the problems. You know, a lot of the time, the politicians who represent us aren't MDs, aren't nurses, don't have any healthcare experience. You know, if it was the military, you wouldn't want your generals never going through boot camp. But somehow in healthcare, the people running the show and making the decisions for us, um, you know, often don't have any insider experience in the field. Um, with health informatics, particularly, it opens up a lot of doors in terms of um, if you're a physician, you're able to then apply and work as a chief medical information officer, which is what happened in my case. Uh, at the time, that role was fairly new. Uh, to be honest, when I did the master's, I didn't even know that or consider that. It just kind of happened after I finished the degree where here in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver General Hospital and across the lower mainland, we we're going from paper records to electronic records on a huge billion dollar project uh, and involved, you know, over a dozen uh, inpatient centers and many, many outpatient centers. And so uh, I was approached by uh, the chief medical officer and the executive at the time. And um, I said, hey, listen, you're a doctor. You have this experience in health informatics. Uh, would you be interested in spearheading this project to go from paper to digital records? And um you know, everything that that involves. And so I did that for about five years. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I mean, that's a great opportunity. And I know that there's a lot of need across North America uh, for, for physicians to be in those kinds of positions. Cool. Well, we might have to have you back to talk all about informatics, but let's yeah. talk about your company. Where, to, how did, uh, what's it all about? How did it start? What got you uh, in the bug for uh, starting your own company? How did that happen? Yeah, it's funny because it's it's fairly serendipitous. I was never somebody who wanted to start a company or particularly business minded. Uh, you know, um, when I was younger, the idea of it wasn't very attractive. I, I just wanted to be a doctor. And, you know, over the course of med school and residency and fellowship, I kind of saw how broken the system was. And, you know, you get involved educationally, you get involved administratively, but there's just you feel so powerless often to really make a difference. And for me, especially at that time where, you know, I saw that transformation of so many industries of what tech did, what digitization did, and I saw that the potential it had and still has for us as an industry. Now, I still think we're 10, 20 years behind most other industries when it comes to effective utilization of technology in healthcare. But, um, you know, and, and 10 years ago, I can tell you that a lot of spots were still on paper, especially in Canada, but even in the States. And so... You know, it's um, it's a huge opportunity to improve healthcare uh, through better logistics, making things more efficient, making people's use of resources and time more effective, um, automating certain processes, and then using that data to to look at analytics, predictive analytics in a meaningful way. Um, a lot of clinics and hospitals really fly blind; they don't have the kind of numbers that they need um, to really more effectively uh, know how to where to put their resources and how to improve patient care. Um, and that's something that we're still really behind on. But what's exciting is that there's, there's a lot there. So 
in my role, um, you know, when I was uh, working as associate CMIO, um, you know, I, I saw a lot of potential there, but within the public system. Uh, so in Canada, we have a public healthcare system um, and there isn't as much room for innovation and growth. And having worked in the States previously as well and trained in the States, you know, within a lot of these big institutions, it's limited how much you can innovate and build. And so that's when I got together with a couple friends of mine and I said, hey, listen, um, you know, there's a lot of ideas that we have that we've always had. And I think that we can do things better. Um, and often when I tried to work with some of the bigger corporations out there, be it Cerner and Epic, uh, which are some of the big ones we we implemented Cerner, uh, or some of the smaller uh, corporations and companies um, locally, you know, we were always met with either people just ignoring us plainly or, you know, entertaining it and the ideas that we had and speaking with us, but ultimately, you know, not really being able to make much change there. Um, and a lot of the technologies, if you're a doctor listening to this, I'm sure you don't love your electronic health record. I'm sure you don't love most of the tech that you use at work. It's not very good. It's clunky. It's poorly designed. Most of the time it wasn't with doctors and nurses involved in, in that. And so that's really the motivation that we had in starting Aria Health, where me and two of my best friends were also physicians. Um, we got together, started this company and said, well, let's fix some of our own problems and um, let's let's scale it from there. Well, that's pretty exciting stuff, and and certainly um, Cerner and Epic have their problems, but uh, I think it, it really, you know, the time of of complaining about electronic medical records is probably over, right? Uh, we have to learn to to work with them um, and leverage what they have. Um, I think is where we're at instead of banging our heads against the wall, which I think physicians getting involved in this kind of work is important, right? Cause these are also not designed by, uh, physicians at the end of the day. So, um, so you just, so you saw all these issues, uh, you decided to get involved, you, you started the company and then, uh, where have you gone from there? Yeah. So, I mean, that's where, um, so originally, um, I'd set up an outpatient practice and we'd use different tools and I was already aware of some of the other ones, uh, that we'd been exposed to and none really, address things effectively. Um, you know, overheads are high, costs are high. Uh, you have a lot of staff, uh, usually two or three medical office assistants per practitioner. Um, and you're burning through money trying to run your practice and you're, you're not particularly efficient either. Uh, most of these systems and tools are a lot of clicks, a lot of pop-ups. Um, and like you said, you know, early on people were arguing about paper versus electronic health records, which is just nuts. Obviously, we have to transition to technology, but, you know, there's different tech. Um, there's a flip phone, there's an iPhone or a smartphone, right? And they're quite different in terms of effectiveness. How good were you at texting on a flip phone? Not particularly good, not particularly fast. And so, you know, what we've tried to do is build new technology that makes us more efficient and effective with Aria. And it started with the backbone, which is the electronic health record. Um, but then from there, we've built out billing and telehealth and patient portals and e-prescribing and um, all kinds of analytics functionality and some really, really cool stuff that although doesn't necessarily sound particularly sexy, um, it's important. And looking at logistics and pain points and number of clicks and things that may already exist, but making it better continuously 
and, and talking to doctors and nurses and office assistants and staff and, and going back and making things continuously better and more efficient. And so we've shown immense progress that way um, in terms of cutting down overhead costs and just making life easier and simpler for, for practitioners. So that's what we did with Aria. We started it with my clinic and my co-founders clinics. And we said, you know what, worst case scenario, we fail, which is not a worst case scenario. Not, not that bad because we learn a lot uh, and we build something that we get to use. Um, but thankfully, we were, we were pretty successful. And um, early on, it was just word of mouth. Uh, we had locums coming in and seeing it and saying, hey, can I use this? Friends of ours who are doctors who heard about it or saw it and said, wow, this is, this is a game changer. This is so much easier. I want to use this. And they saw how much more they were billing, how many more patients they were able to see uh, in less time, uh, how they were able to better utilize their staff uh, and reassign staff or just hire less people for the same functions because of all the automation in there. Um, and that that's kind of grown organically. We've spent almost nothing on sales and marketing, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, now we're, we're across Canada and um, working with partners in the States and in Europe. That's awesome. So does your technology replace the EMR that people are using or does it function within it? And I know you have different arms of your company, but let's let's focus on the electronic health record itself. Yeah, exactly. So it can do both. It can integrate with existing systems uh, depending on um, you know what your functionality is. So a lot of what we do is that we don't necessarily want to replace everything out there, but I think that there's good tools out there and, and not so good tools, but if you have a tool that you're happy with, uh, we connect through APIs to a lot of different systems. Um, but we also have our own native billing and telehealth and, you know, different things of that sort. And so it works as a completely standalone system. So uh, if you have a clinic or an outpatient medical center and, you know, you said, hey, listen, I want to use a system to do pretty much everything under the sun uh, and also run a virtual clinic and also have everything your patient needs about, you know, outcomes of care and, and communication. So we have all of that. Awesome. Cool. Um, so if, uh, you know, so stepping aside from your company for a minute. Um, so I guess if you were the, the generation coming out of residency training now and medical school training right now is a lot more uh, technology aware and technology comfortable than their predecessors and even my own predecessors, let's say. Um, there's a lot, I think, um, there's still a lot of complaining about how things are not user friendly and how uh this is uh, this is extra time and and we're 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 spending so much time documenting and and clicking and clicking off best practice advisories and whatnot um as opposed to getting involved making changes um i know some people go to like epic builder courses and and learn how to actually work with the system for example um so i think the first question is what's your advice to um, new graduates as they approach a new system, you know, be it Cerner, Epic or one of the other ones, uh, one of the smaller ones now or or a system like your own. How do they figure out, how, you know, the best way to a efficiently work within that system and b make changes if they need to? You know, what's your advice to people that maybe don't have the, the bioinformatics degree, but want to want to get involved with um, utilizing the, the EHR to the best of their ability. That was a long one. 
Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think I think most people listening probably empathize with working with most technology and healthcare as death by a thousand cuts. Um, worst case scenario, you don't hate your system, but I've never met anybody who loves what they're using, be it Cerner Epic. And, and that's no knock on them. I mean, they're, they've been around for a long time. They've been able to grow and there's reasons why they've been successful. But at the end of the day, they're not great technology. They get the job done. But, you know, a lot of young graduates and, and myself included when I started, and I still am an idealist, right? You, you say that you, know, you signed up, a lot of us signed up to do medicine because we wanted to make a difference. And if you see that the things that are limiting you in terms of how effectively you can provide care uh, are an issue, then then it's important to address those. So in my case, maybe we went a bit bit, bit extreme in terms of starting a company and from the ground up building something that worked better for us. But I think that that's not necessarily for everyone and that's not practical for everyone. But I do think that it also, you know, I wouldn't recommend people just give up and become jaded and just be like, oh, well, this is what it is. Just got to do it this way. So I think that, you know, um, getting involved, if it is something that bothers you. And I think as, as a profession, we haven't gotten involved enough politically, administratively, technologically. And that's a lot of our problems are because of that. Obviously, we're very busy being doctors. But with any spare time that you have, if, if from a tech standpoint, you know, approach local companies, be they startups or, or bigger groups and, and see how you can get involved. I did that early on. I had some success in startups. I helped build the first ever telehealth here in British Columbia, um, you know, for patients about 10 years ago. Um, so that was super rewarding and, and, you know, learned a lot from that. I worked with a bunch of different startups um, in various facets of health tech before starting Aria. Um, so you just kind of email people, cold call people, approach people and say, hey, listen, I'm interested. Can I work with you guys? Um and, and that's always super rewarding and you learn a lot from it and you feel like you are making a difference. Sometimes people may turn you away and, and that's okay. Um, you can even also get involved at your health authority level um, and, and health uh, in terms of your hospital, your clinic, wherever else it may be. And um, there's a lot that you can do there often. Um, so, you know, just approaching it that way, you don't need to know how to code necessarily or learn how to code. Um, I find that a lot of the problems is more with design and workflows um, and really only doctors and nurses really understand what we need from that standpoint. So trying to partner and trying to work with folks to, to make those better. Um, it's probably the most tangible thing I could recommend. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think I found also, you know, how many times do you, uh, do people complain about something and then never bring it up? Right. I mean, there's been how many times I've talked to the, uh, you know, we use Epic where I am to the Epic people and say, Hey, can we do something this way? And they're like, Oh, well, yeah, no one's ever brought that up. We can fix that in three clicks, you know, or what have, or, or is there a new build and they just need to look and, and find similar builds that for something you're trying to do. So there are options instead of just being like, Oh, well, this sucks. <laughs> you know? um, exactly. You're bang on. And I mean, you know, when we were implementing Cerner, the product that came out of the box was pretty terrible. The default system was just didn't work for us. And uh, the project failed. You know, we uh, before I joined the project, the project spent a couple hundred million dollars, failed. You know, I remember the executive came to me and, and new leadership group said, you know, do you guys think we can salvage this? And um, and we were able to, but we had to gut a lot of the workflows. And I think that every Monday when we had our big meeting, I was one of the most vocal people where I'd say, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. This is painful. This has to be better. And then we'd engage with different 
clinicians across different fields and say, and the nurses as well in allied health and say, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And they'd say, this is terrible. And often they were pretty vocal and pretty angry. But just the fact that we reached out, set up these committees, set up these groups, tried to get as much feedback. Um, Because I find often people complain, but they complain and they don't do something about it. Or they complain they don't know who to talk to about it. One of the pitfalls of how hospitals and clinics are run is there really isn't a good way for your employees and practitioners to to know who to talk to and know how to make those changes, that bureaucracy and, and, you know, everybody, you have to go through the ladder and things get missed. But, you know, I think we really worked hard to try to eliminate that, engage with people and allow them to, if instead of just complaining and being angry and, you know, screaming into the heavens, uh, just saying, hey, listen, guys, this doesn't work for me. And a lot of time you can fix it. Yeah, it's really true. And even like if, you know, I think a lot of docs go to their immediate supervisor who oftentimes is a a doc as well. And they don't know the answer and then it just dies. But, you know, sometimes to continuously making noise and escalating things will just lead to better workflows and then everyone's happier in the end. So, um, I think that's a, that's a good point as well. Not to mention, uh, some of the, the older docs that still struggle, um, and just uh, just want to throw their computer when uh, when things could be made easier and, and we can help them out. But um, we're running out of time for the show. So let's just uh, transition to get to know you as a guest a little bit better. Um, what besides all these exciting things with your business and um, and all your other pursuits, what do you like to do for fun? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when I do get some free time, typical Canadian, love to play hockey. So, uh, you know, <laughs> stereotypical, I, I grew up in Montreal, which is, uh, you know, hockey's bigger than Catholicism there. And, um, you know, it's kind of uh, the Montreal Canadiens are like the Yankees uh, of hockey. Not, not as good, though, not as successful of late, but uh, I love to play hockey, watch hockey when I can um, and help stay in shape. And, uh, you know, outside of that, read read books as you can see behind me here i got a big big wall of books here that i like to dive into and um you know doesn't not much free time outside of that to be honest with you outside of you know working as a doctor running a company and trying to have some semblance of a social life which i'm sure a lot of a lot of people listening can empathize with yeah that's fair but that leads me to my next question do you have a book recommendation for the listener yeah anything yeah definitely um you know, there's a lot of good books. I could probably talk about this for a few hours, but I'd say, you know, one of my favorite books that's uh, stood the test of time is uh, The Autobiography of Malcolm X. Uh, if you haven't read it, it's one of those must-read books that really is uh, incredibly raw and insightful um, and, and relevant, um, you know, outside. Of, and I read a lot of nonfiction, so uh, not everybody loves that, but uh, history, philosophy, you know, sociology, that kind of stuff. If you're interested, most people with philosophy don't really get into it that much because they think it's dry. But the other one is uh, The Story of Philosophy by Will Durant. Really, really well-written, um, wonderful book, uh, synopsis and good introductory book into philosophy. So I think it's relevant um, and uh, maybe maybe stuff that people don't read as much about, but I uh, really love that book too. Cool. Yeah. I'll put those in the show notes for the listeners. Um, and, uh, if you could give the early career physician, just a single piece of advice, what would that be? Yeah. Uh, great question. Um, you know, I think, uh, it's a marathon, not a race. Maybe, um, 
maybe I'd say that. And also, um, you know, try not to get too jaded, I guess. And maybe that's just from my own experiences. I think that uh, early on in med school residency and early in my career, um, you know, I think that uh, you come out of it idealistic, wanting to make a difference in understanding that, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It does take time. Be pragmatic, step by step, take your time. Uh, don't be too frustrated. Our profession is one that's particularly conservative. Uh, there's a lot of things that I think we can do better um, in terms of culture um, and technology and logistics and teaching and everything. Um, but I'd say that if you do care and you want to make a difference, do it. Um, but, you know, uh, slow and steady wins the race. Be practical. Don't get too frustrated or jaded. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's Bronco, what I'd say. That's great advice. Great advice. So, uh, Sam, if uh, people want to learn more about you or about Aria Health, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, you guys can uh, look me up on LinkedIn or Twitter. Feel free to, to reach out. I always love to chat with people. Uh, you could look us up, uh, Aria Health. Um, it's ariaehr.com is our uh, website. So feel free to visit us there as well if you're interested in learning more. And uh, yeah, I would love to hear from you guys. Great. Well, thank you again, Sam, for coming on the show, talking about all these uh, interesting topics that we really don't get to talk about all that much. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Hey, thanks, Andrew, for having me. What a great episode with Dr. Sam Garby. I really appreciated all of his insights, especially his discussion about health informatics and possible careers from this path. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps get the show out there. Don't forget to share it with all of your friends and colleagues. The other thing I'd like you to do after listening is visit my website at andrewtissardio.com where you can find lots of resources for the early career physician. Until next time, everybody, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LLC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LLC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LLC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.